Into the wild I'll go and into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Into the wild I'll go Into the wild I am It's been a while, freedom child Since I left my roots back home Welcome to the Free Birth Society podcast. This is a radical space for women who are ready to celebrate their autonomous choices in birth, motherhood, and beyond. Together, we'll learn about wild birth through personal narrative, we'll explore the politics of birth, and we'll analyze everything that relates to our lives as women from a feminist perspective. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. It's been a wild freedom What if I told you that there was an underground, global community of badass women all swapping wisdom, witnessing and supporting each other in total reverence, and birthing their babes entirely outside of the medical system? What if I told you that there was a vetted, private, exclusive space where you could access my personal list of radical birth keepers? And what if I told you that it's off Facebook, it's troll-free, and where most of the women on this podcast are hanging out. If you're in alignment with what we talk about here on the podcast, it's a pretty sure bet that our private community wants you in it. We have 11 monthly circles and workshops virtually, and also have a member directory so that you can find women in your local community too. And this isn't just for mothers. This is for the wild-hearted, radical woman who is interested in consciousness raising, questioning the systems that harm us, living sovereign, holistic lifestyles, and wants to create community to guide our way back to healed sisterhood. Go to freebirthsociety.com and apply today. I'll see you in there. I have a special episode for you all today. We have Dr. Melissa Sell breaking down the five biological laws of German New Medicine. We go beyond the body-mind connection and enter into layers of healing that are completely paradigm shifting. German New Medicine returns us to a simple truth. The body is always healing and our wisest teacher. We discuss how to understand your individual symptoms, how healthcare can never be a one-size-fits-all, and how radical responsibility comes into play when rethinking sickness and healing. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to dig into this. And like I just said, I don't know much about this, but it's um, it seems like it's really German new medicine is really coming into um, the consciousness of the world right now. And you sound like, um, or you are uh, a messenger of this technology. So yeah, I'm really excited oh. to, to dig in and see what there is to learn here. 
Yeah. And I'm so excited to have any opportunity to share this because I just a little bit of my background. I'm a chiropractor. Um, I started working at a chiropractic office in 2005 and it was um, a total holistic lifestyle transformation makeover for me. Like I learned about home birthing and natural birthing and free birthing. And I learned the truth about vaccines and medic just medicated life. And I just kind of came out of my, you know, zero to 18 programming of, oh, you go to the doctor, <laughs> cancer is bad. <laughs> um, the body just randomly gets sick, you know, the traditional beliefs about health. And then I moved into, you know, the lifestyle aspect of health of like eating healthy and you can do this stuff to prevent illness. Um, and so that's kind of the world I was living in and, and helping uh, doing prenatal chiropractic care, helping mothers and babies. I mean, I loved it, it was my whole world. Um, and it was a few years ago, I came across, well, my partner and I, um, we started getting more into mindset and meditation. So in addition to, you know, eat right and exercise and get adjusted and all the like healthy lifestyle stuff, we really got into like the stuff going on in the mind because you can do all the right things on the physical level and i was an example of that i did i was like the healthiest eater and exercise and supplements and all the things but i still had emotional stuff <laughs> i still had like interpersonal issues and problems stuff that kept coming up that i was like all right i need to dive within and I did that for a few years and it was like mind blowing the things I discovered about myself. And, you know, I was just like, gosh, you know, the mind is amazing and it's everything, you know, because you can do all the external things and still have issues going on in interpersonally, like within yourself. And then in 2017, I was I was actually researching magnesium supplementation because, like I said, I was really into teaching people about uh, health and uh, supplementation was one of those things. And the doctor, Dr. Carolyn Dean on the podcast, she randomly mentioned German New Medicine. It was like just a brief one-off mention, a sentence. It wasn't what the pod podcast was about or anything, but I was like, hold the phone. I've never heard of this. <laughs> what is this German New Medicine thing? And she, she mentioned it with relationship to cancer. And so that opened the door to this particular rabbit hole, which I'm so glad that it is growing in popularity and awareness because it is like the... It is the missing link. It is it is wow. what everyone literally needs to know about how their body works and the, the psyche brain organ connection. So more than just mind body, more than just, you know, and, and this has been around for a long time, like psychosomatic of stress causing illness and, you know, Louise Hay and Bruce Lipton. And so there's like the, it's been in the consciousness in in some manner for a very, very long time. Um, but what Dr. Homer discovered is he he mapped out and he has he can he showed us exactly how each individual organ is related to specific types of shocking conflicts so things that catch us off guard and like the big overarching picture and the thing that i really want to get across um, to anybody listening to this is that your body when you have some kind of symptom when something's going on we assume it's wrong we assume the body's messing up something has gone awry we have a disease we have an issue but what Dr. Hammer discovered is what we have been calling disease, what we have been misinterpreting as an error within the body is actually a deliberate and intentional tissue adaptation in response to something we experienced. So that's kind of the big overarching and we can get into the details, but um, really it's about freeing you from fear and empowering you with the wisdom that your body knows what it's doing. I mean, just like with the, the whole situation regarding birth, the body knows what it's doing. The body knows how to build the baby. The body knows how to get the baby out, you know, and when you learn to trust that process, 
which I'm sure is what your listeners are all about doing is learning to trust this process, learning to understand the body and what it's doing really is what gives you health freedom and health sovereignty. And that's why I am want to shout this from the, the mountaintops. Awesome. Cool. Nice. I love when people know about missing links. <laughs> Critical. Okay. So what is German new medicine? Okay, so it's German New Medicine. It's also called Germanic Healing Knowledge to kind of get away from the medicine label. Um, so Dr. Hammer in the, it was 1978, his son was um, accidentally shot um, and he survived for three months but ended up passing away, 17 years old. And so this was a tragic loss for Dr. Hammer. And three months after losing his son, he discovered he had a testicular cancer. And so being a medical doctor and he, he he was very forward thinking, like he invented different instruments and things. He, he just knew that there was a connection between the loss of his son and the development of this mm. testicular cancer. Wow. Um, and so that was his first connection that he made. Then he worked in an oncology unit, so he had access to cancer patients. And so he started talking to them and asking them questions. And so he started to draw connections. So more than just, okay, you know, a shocking event in your life and just a cancer, he found specifics. So men who had testicular cancer had some type of loss. Uh, Women who had glandular breast cancer had a profound worry, a nest worry for someone that they love. Um, People with lung cancer had a death fright conflict. People with colon cancer had an indigestible morsel conflict. And so he started putting these pieces together that it's not just stress causes cancer or a shocking event causes cancer. It's that very specific things appear to be happening um, depending on the type of shock, the type of conflict that the person suffered and what their body chose to do about it. And so in his discoveries, he mapped out five biological laws. And these biological laws, he has tested again and again and again. Unfortunately, Dr. Hammer passed in 2017, but he, when he was alive, he did thousands of tests to verify the accuracy of his work. And it's never been, there's never been a time that it was not accurate, which makes it a law, which is something in, in conventional medicine, you never see. It's always, it could be this, it could be this, you know, well, smoking causes cancer, but sometimes people don't smoke and they still get cancer. (laughs) Sometimes people do this and they still get the thing. So meaning as simple as like, if there was testicular cancer in a man, there was a loss. Like there was. 100% 100% of the time. 100% of the time there was a loss conflict. And so he, he took it another step and he started looking at CT brain scans, which was new technology in the eighties, but he started analyzing the brain. Cause he's like, okay, if something happened in a person's life and something's happening in an organ, there's got to be a relay within the brain. I mean, that just makes sense because mm-hmm. the brain is the master control center. And so on CT scan, he actually was able to read and analyze and find an impact. So it's a circular impact um, that looks like when you drop like a stone into a pond, like the ripple, and there's a circle, like these ring formations in the brain in the specific region that controls that organ. So the psyche brain organ, that's the first biological law. So something happens to you. You know, so our psyche is not just the mind. The psyche is like your whole sensory apparatus, like everything that's detecting all the things going on right now. 
And so when you are just kind of going around, you know, living life, your body is detecting what's going on. And when you are caught off guard, so the thing about um, a conflict shock that initiates a biological adaptation um, or a significant biological special program, which is, you know, the new term for disease, because it's it's not a disease. A disease is dis-ease. Something's wrong here. Some, something's screwing up. A significant biological special program is an adaptive program that developed at some point in our ancestry, um, our organismic ancestry. The It was necessary for us to be able to adapt in emergency situations and so that's that's part of it is you have to in order to initiate a biological program you've got to be caught off guard like so this is where people are like oh no if i'm i'm stressed all the time i'm I'm gonna have all kinds of it's not that just stress because things that are predictably stressful like a busy schedule a busy season kind of you can anticipate it you kind of like know it's going to happen and so that doesn't that's not necessarily going to cause a conflict shock it's the stuff that like you're like stunned (laughs) you're you know you are you're shocked you're you're frozen in fear you were caught on the wrong foot and in the moment you just felt totally isolated totally alone and that's what registers to your psyche to like your deeper um system your deeper deeper nervous system something's wrong here she might not be able to get out of this we have to help her in any way that we can it's kind of like the body coming online to help you through this stressful or shocking situation and you know so think about if you've ever been in like like a shocking situation like has a wild animal animal ever like started charging at you have you ever been in a situation where you had to run away from some some danger and like think about what it's like for your body in those moments when you're like I have, I have got to get out of here or I'm going to die. You know, like that, most people, most modern humans haven't actually had an experience like that. Like, I don't think I've ever had a legit experience where I had to run away from something in order to stay alive. But in those situations, wouldn't you think that your body is going to do everything that it can to help you? And so like, for example, like if that was a death fright conflict, if that's how your psyche perceived that situation, immediately your lung, your lung alveoli are going to proliferate. And that means like a little tumor is going to grow or a big tumor, depending on how long you are in the death fright situation. And so your body is producing extra cells, you know, and in the conventional world, oh, if the body starts producing extra cells, we say, oh, there's a gene problem. Oh, this, there's been an error in this body. We need to, you know, destroy this, this cancer because this cancer is bad. But what Dr. Hammer discovered is that what we call cancer, it is an intelligent adaptation to a situation where you needed those extra cells. And that's the reason your body produced those extra cells is because you needed them for survival in those moments. So the shorter amount of time that you're in that, the less it would need. So if you're in some sort of chronic state of that, whatever that could look like. I'm thinking about, I ran away from an abuser one time, like physically ran away from my abusive boyfriend into the snow with no jacket and ran all the way to someone's house, like miles away. But I don't think I got a tumor. Did you, did you have any uh, symptoms afterwards? Did you have like a cough? Did you, were you Right, I, would, I can't remember, it was so yeah. long ago, but right, it's a, I'm, I'm trying to track that. What would that, what would that show up as? Yeah, because I think that the challenger in me is like, or not even challenge, just the part of me that feels really curious about this is like, this, this sounds, I imagine, like it would be incredibly subjective in, in turn, like I'm wondering how generic versus subjective this whole thing might be because what, what one person 
even the response of shock, what, how one person would interpret loss or even what is loss. I mean, loss is a subjective concept in, in many, right? Like I, I'm thinking about horoscopes, which I'm not at all saying are similar to what you're talking <laughs> about, but I'm thinking about horoscopes where it's like, yeah, I mean, I could kind of read any horoscope and make it fit what I have going on. And so if a man has testicular cancer and then it's like, was there ever any loss? We could find it, I imagine. Or is it a, do you know what I'm saying? Like any loss, like what if that, what if his cat died? Does that play? Is it anything? So it, it is extremely subjective. And that's the thing that I think lends so much validity and credibility to GNM um, is that it has everything to do with the unique individual. So right. the biological programs are there in all people. Now, what you are going to register as a biological program versus me, it's going to be different based on our own personal history, our own familial history. You know, like how did your, your mother respond to things like shocking situations? That's going to inform how you respond to things and how her mother and how... You know what I mean? And so people in family lines can respond in, in particular ways. Unique individuals can respond in particular ways. So like the, the conflict though, like once, once it has been registered, so once a person does register a loss conflict versus a death fright conflict, you know, that is when we know that it happened, it's in this category. And as far as the theme goes, it is flexible depending on, you know, the, the person's handedness, their attachment. So like, like you said, like a cat, <laughs> it certainly could be if the cat is sufficiently, if the man feels a certain way about the cat, um, it, it could be like his child. He could truly experience it just like Dr. Hammer experienced lo losing an actual you know biological child and so it has everything everything to do with the unique individual so two people aren't going to experience a divorce the same a betrayal the same you know a, a shocking situation you know like the the bank is getting a you know a, a shootout at the bank you know people are going to respond differently um, but the thing is is once they have once they develop whatever symptoms we know that they experience it in this way even if they don't have the words to put it that way because so much of this is you know it's it's subconscious it is biological it is like an it's like a reflex it's like a biological reflex and it may not even register to you with like conscious words in a way that you'd be able to explain it um and so but we but do know it, exactly it back. yeah we can track it back and also with the brain so with the brain relay the subjective perception of the experience and the tissue that's how we kind of piece this whole thing together is like there's a bunch of different um things that you can look at to determine what's going on with a person so like if i if a person i'm working with is dealing with acne acne is a feeling attacked or feeling soiled conflict and so we know that this person, um, every time that they have a breakout prior to the breakout, they felt attacked or felt soiled in some way. And so they may not experience, they may not use the words, oh, I felt attacked, oh, I felt soiled. But when we kind of put this, uh, this theme, we look, put this theme out there, then we look to analyze, okay, so where in your life are you attacked by people's words? Do you feel attacked by, you know, criticisms, by accusations? Um, are you feeling soiled? For example, for myself, I felt soiled by all sorts of different foods that I had learned, oh, these are bad foods, these are inflammatory foods, these foods are bad for your gut. And so I'd eat these foods and then I'd have this perception, oh, this wasn't that good for me or this is gonna cause a breakout and I would get a breakout. And then even sometimes when I wasn't consciously thinking it, because the deeper programming is this food is bad, you know, you shouldn't eat out at restaurants, mm -hmm. I would still have that experience, even if I didn't have like a conscious thought, oh, this is bad. And so you get out of the idea or it's, it's helpful to get out of the idea that you have to have a conscious thought. Yeah. 
I'm attacked right now in order to feel attacked because it is so much more subconscious, not, not about, and this is why in, in GNM, uh, it's, it's not a psychological conflict. It's a biological conflict because like, wouldn't just be hormonal. So interesting. So every woman has hormones, but not every woman has acne. So why would one woman have, you know, hormonal acne? Uh What, what that would be is that during certain times of her cycle. So during ovulation or when she, you know, has her period, she feels attacked or feels soiled. And so the hormonal time has Uh been linked with her to a period. And so this is, this is the same with allergies. If you have a conflict at some point, whether it's in your, you know, your hormonal cycle, you, a season, you have some type of conflict during a certain season, your body takes a snapshot of everything going on, of the foods that you're eating, of the scents, of the, you know, your, the level of hormones. And so every month or every time you encounter that, um, that trigger, the body says, oh, remember last time this happened? And it goes ahead and it reactivates the conflict program preemptively because it's like a protective thing. If you were, you know, almost killed at a certain water hole uh, by, by a predator, you know, it'd be very helpful for you to have things that are not within your conscious awareness, but in your biological awareness so that your body can, can sense it before it even happens. Because that, again, if that provides even a little bit of a survival advantage, the body's going to program that in. And that's why, you know, and so this, I love it because it really gives you so much just compassion and understanding for your body because it's like, wow, my body is literally trying to keep me alive. And they're, you know, I didn't feel like I was in a, you know, a death fright situation, but apparently my, my deeper organism kind of like my animal biological self did experience that. And so I have to kind of get in rapport and that's why understanding your symptoms from this level allows you to kind of look at how you're perceiving the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. Because if I am prone to, you know, be like freaking out about things or, you know, it's like, oh, hold on how I'm thinking about this is sending a message to my body. And so if I can modify that and create more peace within my nervous system, if I can return to peace more, more quickly, then that's going to minimize the chances that I'm going to have really long standing conflicts. And like you said before, it really is. It's the stuff that's long standing that turns into chronic things, big tumors, like big health issues are chronic conflicts that, you know, you've had for, for months or even years. Yeah. Will you go back to the seasonal allergies really quick? That's very interesting. So I get the water hole analogy, but, but could you do that with, with that, with the seasonal allergies? How, how, how could it be? What kind of conflict is that? And how could seasonal allergies be the body trying to survive? Okay. So with a, so if it's like sinus, so that's typically what the seasonal allergy is going to be like red eyes, stuffy nose, uh, when, when the pollen's out. And so, but not everybody has it. Not even everybody in a family will have, Totally, (laughs) it's so unique to the individual. So Mm -hmm. what, what that indicates is that at when the, the season, when it first started, you had a shock, you were, you had to go to school, maybe fall, fall time allergies or, or spring. You had to stop going to school. There was some type of shock, something that you, so it's a stink conflict um, with the sinuses in particular. And so a stink conflict can either be an actual literal stink. So this smells bad. I don't want to smell this, get this away from me. It could be, so it's like you want to separate from a smell or you could be missing a smell. 
Um, this is big for little babies if their mom goes away for the day and they have a little like stuffed up noses because they can't smell mom. And so they develop a stink conflict. And so it's either um, wanting to get rid of a smell, wanting to smell something. It could also be more figurative because, you know, as our brains have grown, we have the ability to take what was just a practical biological like stink conflict. And now we have sensations of this stinks. Like, why do we say that? Oh, this stinks. This sucks. <laughs> I'm frustrated. I'm fed up. Um, and the German phrase for I'm fed up is like my nose is full. And so these sensations of like frustration, annoyance, suspicion. I once worked with a lady who had a chronic sinus issue and she kind of had a chronic uh, suspicion of her husband <laughs> flirting with other women. And so it was like, you could see how that was, that was the trigger for her that kept this alive when he'd come home from work or she'd, you know, sniff him out, you know, like suspicion sort of thing. And so something happened to that person in a season um, where there was, you know, pollen or some type of uh, something in the air. And so now every single time that something is in the air, the body says, oh, let's go ahead and reactivate the stink conflict program, which is erosion of the nasal mucosa, followed by tissue repair. We can get into that of like when the symptoms actually come on. Um, but yeah, and so now every, you know, every spring, every fall, whenever this thing is out, Crazy. the body reactivates the, the stink conflict. The stink conflict. <laughs> wow, that's wild. So how many conflicts are there? A lot, hundreds. <laughs> there oh, okay. are a lot of, gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. So you were, you were um, defining or describing the, was it five laws? Yes, the five biological laws. So we, we can kind of we all those, did we? No, we didn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So so the first one was the psyche brain organ connection. Uh -huh. So this is the moment you're caught off guard. It's like all at once. It's simultaneous. So it's not like psyche brain organ. It's all at once. Your nervous system picks up. There's something going on, and in that split second, that's when the the particular biological program that's going to be activated is decided upon. And so this is just something that your nervous system knows. Okay, she needs uh, a thicker uterine lining. <laughs> she needs more breast gland cells. She needs to erode. Uh, one of my first examples of this after learning GNM was a, a can't swallow conflict. I was eating something with family and I took a bite of it and I didn't like it, but I was in a group of people. So I just like, I just swallowed it down <laughs> and um, I had two bites of it and my, my throat right after I fit, I had a, my throat started burning and then I had like strep throat symptoms, swollen throat, um, drainage, coughing, um, scratchy throat, because in those moments, my body eroded the lining of my esophagus and made it wider so I could either spit out or choke down the morsel that I was, I didn't want to swallow. And so I had this conflict and then my body, what happens is, so there's erosion during the active conflict for certain uh, biological programs like this one I'm describing. So there's widening and you can see how, how functional that is. Clearly I'm conflicted about something going down my throat um, and my body's like, okay, so either she needs to get this down more easily or it needs to come up. And so the body widens the, the esophagus, the upper two thirds. And so it, there's a widening. And then once it's widened and I'm, the conflict is over, now the body has to repair. And so when the body repairs, that's when there's inflammation. That's when there's swelling. That's when I have symptoms. That's when I feel like I'm sick. That's Whoa. when I want to go run to the doctor and take something because I'm symptomatic. But you can see that 
the symptom is simply the repair process of the shock that I experienced, what I put my body through in that moment, my body had to adapt to it as best it could for my survival. And now, you know, here I am, poor me, I feel punished by the sore throat <laughs> and the scratchy throat, but it was because of something that I did. I think about a child, um, I, I talk to people who will, you know, give me their whole like personal history and they'll say, oh, when I was a kid, I had chronic sore throats. I had chronic sinus problems. You know, um, one of the person, uh, people that I, I worked with that said they had chronic sore throats, their, their family was like a eat everything on your plate kind of, so they had to, you know, force it down. Just like this example of like, having to force down food. I don't want to swallow this. I can't swallow this. I want to spit this out. Chronic sore throat makes perfect sense. <laughs> the body's just adapting to that experience every single time that you have it. Um, and so psyche brain organ, the body, um, you perceive it. There's immediately an impact in the brain in the region that controls that particular organ. There's adaptations on the organ level. And then we can move into the second biological law, which is the law of two phases. So the law of two phases helps us to understand what's happening um, in our bodies when we are having a conflict shock. So we have our normal day-night rhythm. So during the day, the body is more sympathetic active. So that's the fight or flight nervous system. That's when you're going out and you're hunting and you're you know, gathering and you're doing life. And then in the evening, when you return home around five or 6 p.m., the body shifts into um, parasympathetic or vagotonia, and that's rest and digest. And so that's the normal day-night rhythm. Now, the moment that we have a conflict shock, the moment that you're caught off guard by this thing that you weren't prepared for, the body shifts into heightened sympathetic activity. Fight or flight, everybody knows that. You know, This is when I can't sleep at night, there's something constantly on my mind, I'm not eating, I'm not digesting very well, uh, my hands are cold, and so you're, you're preoccupied with the conflict. And that's part of the program. That's part of you know, the, the therapy in and of itself is the, your body is keeping you awake so you can resolve this conflict. Hmm. Figure it out. Like, what do you need to do? What do you need to you know, get rid of? Where do you need to go? How do you need to resolve this conflict? And that's why, you know, so if a person is waking up typically at 3 a.m., you know, 2, two 3 a.m., if you are like wide awake and your mind's just going, it's because you have an unresolved conflict and your body has woken you up when everything's quiet so you can figure this thing out and yeah. you can resolve it and move past it. So during the conflict active phase, this is when an adaptation is taking place. And so there are three things that happen as far as tissue adaptation goes. Um, in the example that I gave, there's tissue loss for some. For others, there's tissue growth. So for the example of like the lung tumor, that's a tissue growth during conflict activity. For um, the esophagus, that was tissue loss. Um, and so it really just depends on, and that's in the third biological law, which level of organ tissue it's attached to. So we've got like, you know, an embryo, when it is forming, we have these basic tissue types from which all of our organs and cells and tissues are formed. Um, so there's uh, functionally four different layers, but there's actually three. There's the endoderm, the mesoderm, and the ectoderm. Uh, the endoderm is the oldest tissue in the body. And so this is controlled from the brainstem, which is the oldest portion of the brain. And so those tissues respond with tissue proliferation during conflict activity. And so this is, we need more of this tissue. We need more, so this is like glandular tissue, um, like the thyroid, for example. And so like the thyroid, that responds to a conflict of feeling too slow to catch a morsel. 
and that's on the right side. So you're feeling too slow, you're feeling chronically behind, you feel like I need to get more money, I need to get a job, I need to, I need to push, push, push. And so your body hears this and says, okay, let's proliferate, we'll give you extra thyroid gland tissue on the right side so that you can have more thyroid hormone in your system so you can go do the thing <laughs> that you feel like you are so behind that you oh, so this rush would be and do. hyper. This is hyper. Mm -hmm. And so really all, all instances of hypothyroidism are preceded by a phase of hyper. And that's actually, you know, and, and so if you've ever dealt or know anybody who's dealt with hypothyroidism, there was a period of time in your life where you had hyper, whether you were aware of it or not. Interesting. And so, so with the gland, yeah, so that, that's. Well, who hasn't, who hasn't <laughs> gone through a, I need to speed it up. Yeah. Right? And so that, yeah. And that's what happens, but it's, it's when it becomes chronic. So you may have a phase and I know I've gone through phases of like, I'm, I'm hyperthyroid right now because I am feeling rushed. I'm feeling behind. I was caught off guard by something. I, I, I know it. And then, you know, you go through a, there's like a swing back, you know? So when you're in conflict activity, your body is adapting, you're rush, rush, go, go, let me do the thing. And then when your body, uh, when you shift out of it, when you resolve the conflict, your situation changes, you've changed your perspective, something's different, you're at ease. And then your body has to set you back to normal, you know? So when you're in the conflict activity, you know, every, and that's the thing is the intensity and the duration of the conflict. So how long were you really stressed out about that thing? <laughs> how long were you pushing and wondering, oh, am I gonna have enough for this rent payment? Am I gonna be able to get this thing in time? Am I gonna be able to do it? I'm rushing, rushing, rushing. So that's gonna depend how much tissue is adapted. Then once you resolve it, that's the turning point. So you're conflict active the whole time, that's heightened sympathetic, and then there's a resolution point. <sighs> this is the relief. When you get to that relief point, um, so that stress is over, that worry is over, but now this is when the symptoms come on. This is when you get fatigued. This is when you're feverish. This is when you can't get out of bed, you're exhausted. Um, and then whatever particular symptoms that go along with your um, biological program, they become active. Um, so there's always gonna be swelling in the brain. So anytime you have a headache, a headache is a healing phase. Uh, there's always going to be swelling on the organ level. So if you have tenderness somewhere on your body, that part of your body is in healing. All healing happens in a fluid environment. So when you're in this inflamed, red, itchy, headachey, all of those symptoms, healing. Your body is in this reconstruction phase. And so that is supremely important for every human to understand. Right. It's like because the opposite of what we're taught. It's the opposite of what we're taught. Everybody thinks that when I have a headache, when I have a symptom, when I am swollen somewhere, I need I need to take something. I need an anti-inflammatory. I need a steroid. I need something to bring this down because this feels bad. And so by reframing what symptoms mean to you and by understanding, oh my goodness, this symptom is my, I was in a sympathetic active phase. Uh, I was conflict active for a period of time. I was conflict active for a week. So when I'm in bed for a week <laughs> healing, I should completely understand that. I should baby myself. I should take care of myself. I should not be rushing myself around saying you don't have time for this because that's how things become chronic. Things become chronic when you are like in the healing phase, but something re-triggers you. Something reactivates that biological program. And so we become in what's called a hanging healing where you enter the healing phase, but before it completes um, its, pr its program for healing, you reactivate it.
And then you go through the same thing. And so people who have like flare ups of things, people mm -hmm. who are chronically ill, it's because they either have not resolved their conflict or they've resolved it and it keeps getting reactivated via triggers. Those, those are the things that we talked about, like with the season, something keeps re-triggering you, keeps reactivating this conflict in your life. And does this apply to every aspect of the body, like even structural stuff like the knee? Yes. So, yeah, so based on, um, it's the tissue type. So the tissue type is what matters. And that's why it's so helpful to know when you have a symptom, what tissue type is this? You know, so the skin, the outside skin, that is ectodermal. The glandular tissue, that is um, old mesoderm the, uh, or, or endoderm, depending on, on the type. So the, um, the knee, that is new mesoderm or all connective tissues in the body. So connective tissues, so this is gonna be muscles, bones, joints, ligaments, things of that nature, respond to a conflict of self-value. It's a loss of self-worth or a self-devaluation conflict. And so it's feeling not good enough, not strong enough, not able, able to perform in some way. So the knee, that is a physical performance. And what can happen is that a person can have an injury, you know, let's say you have an injury years ago, and then you have kind of this, I have a bad knee programmed into your head. Oh, yeah. And so every, every time you repeat the, I have a bad knee, that can be a trigger, a reminder of to your body, my knee's not strong enough. It's not good enough. It's not able to perform. And so what that causes is adaptations in the knee, the way the body responds to a feeling of I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not capable, I'm not able, it goes through this renovation project of the of the uh, area in question. So there's tissue loss during the active phase. So you're losing tissue when you are actively devaluing yourself in some way. I would often get that, you know, when I was doing like manual chiropractic work with my hands, because this was like my, my hands were everything. And so if I felt like I didn't do a good adjustment or the person didn't like it, or I was like, you know, beating up on myself in some way, or thinking I did too many adjustments today, I would get chronic like wrist and forearm and just like pain here because not because of the actual just physical force, because there'd be times, you know, months at a time where I wouldn't have any problems. But then if I got in my head and I was beating up on myself or feeling bad or feeling like I was overworked, um, then I would get really bad pain in my wrist and in my hand because there's tissue loss and then tissue repair. And so when you're inflamed in that area, when it's swollen, when it hurts, that means you resolve something. Something about your perspective of your knee or your wrist or whatever body part has shifted. Another interesting thing to pay attention to, if it doesn't seem to be like if you didn't have an injury, like I never had an injury, but it's always my right knee. Okay, well then we wanna look at your handedness. And so your handedness is the first, so when you were when you're just a, a weeb, uh, just a, uh, a sperm and an egg, and everything came together and you had your first cell division, your laterality was determined. Yeah. And so, um, and so laterality, it's can be different than handedness. Often it's the same. Um, but you want the way to find out is to put your hands on your lap and then start to clap and figure out which hand initiates the clap. Are you putting your right hand into so put both of your hands on top of your thighs. And then, um, and then clap one hand into the other as you would like be applauding. Damn, even. Which one? <laughs> like overthinking it now. Yeah, oh, I know, like right? this way, you mean? Not like. Oh, yeah, like you want to. You want to start from here, just because often it, it will be confusing. But oh if, yeah, I would do it this way. Is yeah. that your? Are you left? Is that I'm left-handed. 
Okay, so yeah, so if you're left into right, um, if you're, and that's going to be the one leading the clap, that uh -huh. means your laterality is left. And so that mine, was determined as a freaking embryo? Yes, and that's oh, why, you know, identical yeah. identical twins, um, like mirror image twins are like one is right-handed, one is left-handed. Oh, I didn't know that. Whoa. Yeah, because of that first cell division. I did and, not know it was determined so young. I mean, so, I mean, beyond young, pre -young. Yeah, beyond, beyond young. <laughs> that's insane. Okay. Well, that makes more sense of why my husband and I are both left-handed and we tried so hard to groom our daughter to be left-handed with us. And we would hand her everything to her left hand. And jokingly, I say this lightly, but when she picked things up with her right hand, we would be like, no, no, sweetie, like you're left-handed. <laughs> and it didn't work. She's fully right-handed. And now that makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Okay. Um, so ladder, laterality and handedness are largely the same thing. Yes, but not necessarily. That's why you want to, you want to do the clap test. You want to observe a person to see like what pant leg are you putting in first? You know, there's going to be one oh, that is, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so with a left-handed person, so for you, your left hand, uh, your left side is associated with father, partner, sibling, friend, basically anybody who's not your mother or your child. Okay. And so, and your right side is going to be your mother, child side. And it's opposite for a right-hander. So for a right-hander, and this is, you know, this also makes sense um, from a, uh, like a mother perspective. And that's why it's like the, you know, you tend to hold your baby on the side that is your non-dominant so that your dominant hand can feed the baby and do the things. <laughs> and so you tend to hold the baby on the side, um, your non-dominant side. That was not true for me. I've always heard, because I'm, 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 I'm like very challenged on my right, but I did always hold on my left. And I always assumed, or what I had heard was that that was very normal because it's closest to the heart. Mm -hmm. But it might be a lot of different things, but that's interesting. We'd have to get a larger sample size. Okay. True. Interesting. So, um, oh yeah, go ahead. And then, and then we should go back to the laws. Yeah. And so the, so the hand, handedness is just really interesting because that can tell you when things show up. So for me, if I ever fight with my partner and I feel a sense of self-devaluation, I will get, I will have shoulder soreness because the, the shoulders are related to our relationships. Okay. Um, you know, if you ever have like a bad mom moment and you feel guilty or something like that, notice, oh, do I have pain on my, on, for you, it would be your right shoulder, you know, to see when things pop up just out of nowhere, mm -hmm. you know, cause we can have localized, like if you had an injury somewhere or if like you were doing something and you're like oh gosh my I didn't do a good job about a specific area but if it seems unrelated to that that's when you know like rashes too where does the rash show up is it on the right side on the left side this is just going to help you to gather more information about what was the root of this what where did this come from interesting okay cool do you do you obviously do like private consultations mm -hmm. yeah okay. to work I'm with in a book too. with you <laughs> Some shit we need to talk about. Okay, so let's go back to the laws because I think you've only done three. Uh, we're we're kind of halfway between two and three right now. Oh, so. Okay. To finish up the second biological law, it's so it'll be really good for everyone to I do have um, some YouTube videos where you can get the visual because seeing it visually is helpful because there's a chart. So there's the, you know, the sympathetic active and then we move into the healing phase. And so the healing phase has two parts. There's the first half the epicrisis, and then the second half. So that first half of healing, that's when you are tired, exhausted, fatigued, headache, don't wanna get out of bed, don't wanna do anything, um, inflamed. 
And then halfway through the healing phase, there's a squeeze. And so this can show up as a muscle cramp, a sneezing fit, um, a headache, a coughing fit, uh, a spasm. And this is the height of healing. And so as you're moving through the healing phase, once the body gets to the maximum point of, um, of swelling, so there's all, like I said, there's always fluid when there's healing, you get to the maximum point of swelling and then the body does a big surge and you may actually like wake up in the night, like with a dream of the conflict, like the original conflict that happened because the body has to go through this surge of sympathetic activity to squeeze the edema, squeeze the fluid out of the organ level and out of the brain level. And then you'll find yourself up going to the bathroom because you move into what they call the pee pee phase where you're urinating, you're letting go of that water that was there during healing. And this is actually very interesting, you know, from a birthing perspective too, you know, the body is for the first three months a sympathetic active. So the first uh, trimester, the body is sympathetic active. That's why, you know, miscarriages tend to happen, you know, within that first three months. And then when um, the, the last six months, that's when the body is more parasympathetic. Um, and so the body is parasympathetic. And then the birth is like the big squeeze. So once you get to that point of maximum swelling, the body is at its maximum, <laughs> it's okay. as big as it can get. Mm -hmm. And then and then the program turns and that's when the big squeeze comes. And so the birth in many senses is like this epicrisis is what it's called. Um, but we also have, you know, epicrisis. Anytime you hear someone sneezes, that was a little epicrisis. They had they had a stink conflict. And you, and it's actually kind of fun to, to pick out like, or to, you know, when, when you or your friends or family have a sneeze, it's like, oh, you can tell just a couple minutes ago they were annoyed with me <laughs> they were oh no way okay they were, pay attention now <laughs> they were frustrated with something that happened um and then you get like one sneeze two sneeze maybe like you have a full-on sneezing fit it's because they you know it that just represents how intense that stink conflict was for them so there's the big wow. squeeze and in, in certain situations, this can be like a major health event, like a stroke, like a, like a heart attack that occurs during the big squeeze. Um, and so for certain ones, it can be very intense and, you know, may need some type of medical support in certain situations if the, if the conflict was really intense and really long. But for the most part, everybody's dealt with these. Everybody's gone through, you've had a, you know, you've had a spasm, you've had a sneezing fit, you've had like muscle cramps, you've had a stomach cramp, you've gone through this multiple times in your life but what this allows you to do is to understand what was happening mm -hmm. and when you understand what's happening it's not as scary and that's the thing that i love about this is like understanding how your body works gets rid of fear because if you're afraid if everything about your body is so right. mysterious oh, there's a lump there's a swelling uh, you, you get so scared that's when you outsource that's when you're like oh doctor doctor tell me what's going on with my body because i have no idea but but this like puts the tools in your hand to understand this is how my body works. I understand I experienced this conflict. Nobody else did. You're the mm -hmm. only one who knows your conflicts. You're the only one who can resolve your conflicts. Mm -hmm. Nobody can do it for you, which is why this like individual sovereign medicine of the, the body is so important for everyone to understand because this is all about you. <laughs> and so and so that's the thing is you have to empower yourself so that yeah. it doesn't feel outside of your control. Mm -hmm. Because when you know it, I know I, I'm because I've been working with this, it, it, I, I know when I'm doing it. I know when I'm in <laughs> certain conflicts and I know that it's going to, if I dwell on something for a long period of time, so I'm, I'm something's on my mind, I could either resolve it right away or I could sit on it and just be frustrated and be annoyed and be mad and blame and, and gripe about it in my mind. But I know that that is elongating the, the period of conflict and I know that that's going to intensify whatever symptoms. Mm -hmm.
Um, and so that's that's the Good law. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, I know for the sake of my body, I'm going right. to resolve this right away. I could hold on to it. I could hold a grudge. I could stay mad or I could shift out of it and use all of my resources to resolve this and feel better for the sake of my organs right. <laughs> because totally. I don't. I don't want yeah. I don't want a big symptom. Um, and so you go through the epi crisis and then the second half of healing, there's just continued um, tissue repair and restoration and scar tissue being formed if necessary. And so that's how the that's how the, the program goes. That's a second biological law. And that plays through for every conflict. Uh, if there's a resolution to the conflict, you'll go through it. Now, if you if there isn't a resolution to the conflict and you're just like conflict active, these are like people who who waste away, you know, of cachexia, like they're just, you know, they, they're not eating, they're just chronically conflict active, their body's wasting away because it's it's metabolically expensive to be in conflict activity because your body is like constantly, it's totally. in fight or flight for years, you know, it can oh. only do that for so long. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and, and if you think of like in nature, you know, humans are very different. <laughs> We're very different animals yeah. because in nature, an animal would have a conflict. They'd run away, right. you know, they would, they would either fight and win, fight and die, run away and be fine or run away and die. You know what I mean? It's like, there aren't many options. We're not, they're not sitting mulling about things and worrying about things right. for. They're not like avoiding therapy and getting in fights with their friends. Exactly. They're <laughs> yeah, just, totally. they're, yeah, they're they either survive and make it and they're good or they die. Um, but we get to we get to worry about things. Mm -hmm. So that's the second biological law. Moving into the third, that was what I already started describing of this biological compass. So understanding what organ am I dealing with? Oh, I'm having um, digestive problems, diarrhea, you know, candida, you know, stuff in the gut. That's an indigestible morsel conflict. It's an old brain conflict, so it's controlled by the brain stem. So if we did a CT scan and you've had chronic gut issues, there's going to be an impact in your brain stem in the control center for whatever area of the colon is affected for you. And so that is the yeah the old brain and there's cell proliferation. So remember, there's going to be growth in the in the organ when you're in conflict and the purpose of that for the gut or for the digestive system it's to produce more digestive juices either to help you kind of move this thing along to digest it it's like if you've got a chunk of a bone in your gut you want to have more digestive juices to be able to break that thing down but now you know the more transposed sense is like what's that thing that you can't get over <laughs> what's that thing that you can't stomach the thing that makes you angry the thing that you just can't process that is what will cause a chronic gut issue, a chronic, you know, like IBS or Crohn's. It's because there was something that happened um, that you couldn't accept, you couldn't process, you could not digest. And then there's a lot of tracks and triggers. So food. So a person who's struggling with something like that, they are on all the diets. They've done all the diets. <laughs> they've eliminated all the foods. They've tried absolutely everything. Um, yet still, they'll have symptoms because, because it's about the biological conflict. It's about the unresolved thing that they still haven't totally resolved or keeps getting reactivated via these triggers. So that's the old brain. Um, the old mesoderm, this is the, the deeper layer of skin. So I did mention acne, that's old mesoderm. And it's like the corium skin. So when I feel attacked or feel soiled, my body will, it builds up basically a little shield. So this is also an example of cellular proliferation during the active conflict. The body builds up a shield um, in the deeper layer of skin. And then once the conflict is resolved, the body decomposes it. So another example of this would be like melanomas. A melanoma comes from a feeling attacked or feeling soiled conflict, mm -hmm. not from the sun. <laughs> um, you felt attacked or felt soiled and then the body 
decomposes it when it's no longer necessary. Um, and so if you have, you know, a, a pussy zit, it's because the body is using bacteria to decompose the cells that are no longer needed. Bacteria serve a function. Bacteria always serve a function within the body. They, they do not infect. The, the idea of infection is erroneous. We look at the area and we say, oh, the bacteria is causing this thing to go on. But what actually happened was there was tissue adaptation um, during conflict activity. And then when the body resolved it, the bacteria are there doing a job. Mm -hmm. So with the lung example, again, death, fright, conflict, we had extra cells growing. We have, you know, a tumor in the lungs. Now you resolve the conflict. You're no longer scared for your life. Your body uses tubercular bacteria. So the thing that causes, you know, we, oh, tubercular, we think that that causes tuberculosis, but that's not the case at all. So people have tubercular bacteria in their body and don't have tuberculosis. So how can that be possible? It's because the bacteria, they're there on standby. They are just, they're just there hanging out in the tissues. If they are ne needed, the brain turns them on and they become oh. active and then they do their job and then they go back to their dormant stage. And so oh. that's the thing is by understanding that the bacteria are not your enemies. They literally, they inhabit you. <laughs> they live oh, inside yeah. of you and they're supposed to be there and not having them there actually can cause issues. So for example, if you don't have tubercular bacteria in your body, when your body's trying to decompose a lung tumor, the lung tumor can't be decomposed. And so it will encapsulate. And so a person who doesn't have the proper bacteria might get a scan years later and they say, oh, that we found a, you know, a tumor in your body, you know, in your colon, in your breast, in your, it but it couldn't be broken down because you lack the proper bacteria. And so that's, you know, we, we need these things. We need these bacteria in our bodies. We are um, bacteria. We are bacteria, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that's the old mesoderm. The new mesoderm, that was the one I mentioned with the, the connective tissues. So this is going to be um, controlled by the cerebral medulla, different area of the brain. This has to do with self-value. And so there's different themes, which is super interesting. Dr. Hammer tied in all of this work to um, evolutionary development. And so the old, old brain tissues, these are like the most archaic organisms that existed. And then for each phase, so like when um, when organisms moved on to the land, they needed different equipment, they needed different body parts. And so as the body needed new and different things, it adapted to new and different environments. And so we got new layers of brain tissue, we got new layers of, of different types of, of organ tissues, which is just so cool. Um, and then we have the ectoderm, which is the new brain. And so this is the cerebral cortex, and this has to do with territorial issues. So the older stuff, like the oldest brain is like reproduction, eating, uh, breathing. So the most basic types of functions, then the old mesoderm has to do with protection. So this is like, we moved on to land, so we needed an extra layer of skin. Um, so we that has to do with uh, protection and or defilement. And then we have the uh, new mesoderm, which has to do with self-value and self-structure. Those are the bones, the things that give us structure. Um, and then we have the, the newest area, which is social. So this is like social interactions, my territory, you know, like archaic organisms aren't worried about territory. They don't, they're not thinking about anything. They're just thinking about reproducing. But as we've grown and as our brains have grown, we've added on all of these different functions. And so this has to do with territorial issues, sexual issues, um, the uh, separation that all is controlled from the the newest part of the brain which is the cerebral cortex and so that's the third biological law that's just so you understand what tissue am i dealing with how does this tissue behave when in conflict and what area of the brain controls it 
Then the fourth biological law, I hinted to it just a moment ago, it is the ontogenetic uh, system of microbes. And so this is microbes are our friends. <laughs> Bacteria and fungus, they are in the body to do a job. And that job is to decompose tissues when they are no longer necessary or help to reconstruct. So for example, a bacteria like Staphylococcus helps to build back up bone tissue after it's been degraded during an active conflict. And so they're doing something and to attempt to, it is, it's just so short-sighted. It's so mm -hmm. like narrow to look at what is an effect and we say, oh, that's the cause, because mm -hmm. we're not looking at the big picture of the body of why though, why is there a pussy inflammatory something going on here? You know, why am I trying to, you know, stop this whole process instead of deep, more deeply understanding why is it actually happening? And so by missing that context, you throw the baby out with the bathwater, you clear the body, you take the antibiotic. Uh, right. Yes, you become, you know, and that's the thing, a person's like, I took the antibiotic and I felt better. Well, what you did was you, you stopped the healing process. You stopped the tissue repair that was going on in the body. And now, and you also, you know, got rid of all of your bacteria. Now, if you've done stuff like that, feeling bad about it is not the way to go. <laughs> it just is what it is. And, you know, you just know better for moving forward. With all of this information, a lot of times people will, you know, especially when they learn about, you know, stuff with their kids and conflicts with their kids or conflicts during pregnancy. And then they, you know, the, the temptation to go into guilt and, oh my gosh, I didn't know any better. How could I have done this? Let it be okay. You know, going into guilt isn't serving you. And so by being aware of that, you just want to learn, you know, when you know better, you do better. And so as you learn about these things, notice if your mind wants to beat you up for it or say, uh, shame you or make you feel guilty for what you woulda, shoulda, coulda done if you did it differently and just let it be okay as you learn this stuff, you know? So if you've taken antibiotics, if you've done stuff in the past where, you know, you, you come to regret it, just, just let it be okay and move forward with the information that you have. Um, and the fifth biological law, it's the law of the quintessence. And so this is basically this big overarching, there's nothing diseased or malignant in the body. To say that is like, that's like saying there's something evil in nature. There's no evil in nature. <laughs> there's no wrongness in the body. The body, all of these programs, they have a meaning, they have a purpose, they're significant. And that by looking at your symptoms in this way and understanding what your body is doing, that it's, it's significant and it's meaningful and it's meant for your survival. Even if in the moment, you know, you, you, you don't really see the big picture. You're like, I'm, I'm coughing myself to death. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I've got a headache that I feel like I'm going to die. And it's like, but your body is serving you and it does not want you to die. Your body wants you to survive, right. which is why these programs exist in the first you. place. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so those are the five biological laws and you know there's so it's just such a rich deep integrated science of the body and it's in it and for me in my few years of working with it i've never seen it be inaccurate it's always spot on always spot on the person has the symptom they had the conflict mm -hmm. it might take a little digging it might take a little you know figuring it out yeah um to well, get to you were it. saying it might be unconscious so you would just basically have to be willing to try it on as true, even if you can't put like a specific story to it, I imagine. Yes, totally. Yeah. 
And, and that's the thing is it's totally provable by you. You don't have to take anybody's right. word for it. You, you just get to see, it's like, okay, well, next time I get a little sniffle, let me, let me figure out what happened yeah, next yeah. time I, and I, and I love it. Like I, I'm so interested every single time uh, a symptom happens. Like if you have a toothache, if you, you know, have a sore throat, if anything happens, a sty in your eye, it's like, oh, you get to learn how your body works every time a new symptom arises. Yeah. Fun. Pandora's box. So, okay, before we close, I definitely want to touch on some pregnancy specific stuff. Like miscarriage is, is coming to my mind. How would that be classified? So there's not like a specific conflict for a miscarriage, but it can be a multitude of different conflicts. Like I said, during the first three months of pregnancy that the body is in a, a sympathetic fight or fight flight kind of phase. They're trying to figure out, is this, are we going to, you know, close things up and actually, you know, take this pregnancy to term. Yeah. And so if there's, if there's high stress, so that, you know, that is a situation where stress worries, concerns, you know, um, if you are in high stress, that, that would be the first place that I would look at. So there, like I said, there's not a specific conflict that can cause a miscarriage. It can be a whole host of things. It could be a, you know, an emotional, spiritual kind of thing of, of not being ready. Something that's very interesting on a pregnancy note is um, hyperemesis. Um, gravidarum uh, is a conflict. So that's just that chronic sickness, like not just, not just during the first few weeks of pregnancy, but the whole time you're sick and you're throwing up. Um, that has to do with either an identity or a territorial anger type of conflict. For a female, often it's an identity conflict and pregnancy, you know, sure, yeah. represents a huge kind of shift in identity. Um, often um, also, if you had a difficult relationship with your mother or you fear being a mother um, or there's some kind of subconscious like rejection of the pregnancy because of the the way in which it's shifting your identity um, and that by working on that, I actually did work with a woman who had two pregnancies um, and she had terrible sickness the whole time um, and she just she had her third baby just a, a couple of weeks ago go actually and it was better than ever because we we got to some of the roots of what what this identity conflict was about what was um she subconsciously rejecting about pregnancy and so that um there's a lot of hope for people so when you get to these conflicts you can you know change dramatically your experience totally yeah because i feel like couldn't lots of miscarriage just be purely physiological like just like it doesn't necessarily have to be a conflict. I see how it could be a conflict. Yeah, uh, yeah, certainly. So if there's, you know, reasons like as the body is forming the the baby where it's like, okay, this isn't viable for either nutritional deficiency reasons. So there are a few exceptions with within GNM that things some things that are non a conflict in nature. And so that would be uh, nutritional deficiencies, um, poisoning and injury. You know, so any of those things, those would not be something that you're going to look for, you know, scanning the brain and the conflict. Those are just purely kind of mechanical in nature. There's a poison, there's a mechanical right. damage, or there is, um, you're missing something that you need. But then I can see how it could create that feedback loop that then becomes psychological. Like I yes. had a sports <laughs> injury with my knee when I was in high school, 18 years ago has, you know, have the ACL surgery, all of that. And now I've been dealing with my knee forever since March in a really big way, but you're totally right on the, I was trying to find the self-value thing. Cause I don't feel like I struggle with that so much on a conscious level, but I definitely do about my knee. Like the, Oh, my knee is bad. It never fully recovered. Mm, I've got to yes. be careful with it for sure. 
And so, yeah, the self-fulfilling prophecy is so obvious. And, and I could relate that to, to miscarriage too, you know, though also could just totally be physiological and it's not necessarily physiologically, it's not necessarily a negative thing, you know, but, but an intelligent scanning really. And, but I know so many women who don't believe they can be pregnant and then they keep having miscarriages. Yep. That's so interesting. Telling, Abs- right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So injury poison. What was the first one you said of the three? Uh, malnutrition. So yeah, deficiency, malnutrition. injury, or poisoning. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. That makes sense. Wow. Another interesting one is um, I've uh, with preeclampsia because I find that that's such a gateway to intervention <laughs> um, is the just the the talking about it and um, so like you know weight gain high blood pressure protein in the urine mm-hmm. the conflict associated um, with that is an isolation abandonment refugee or existence conflict you know so you get to be 37 38 weeks one you know it's like you're about to give birth <laughs> um, and possibly for the first time and so the fear so that could be an existential type of conflict causing you to hold on to water and when you hold on to water you gain weight and so if there's rapid weight gain um, also just holding on to weight that's uh, resistant to exercise and and diet um, often it's water weight because your body is holding on to water as a protective mechanism so this is one of the super important programs for everybody to know about um, because when you're holding on to water yes it can cause you know excess weight on the body but it also intensifies any healing symptom that you have and so like if you have you know if your if your knee is healing but you're also uh, retaining water it's gonna swell up even bigger because your body has extra fluid in it and so by resolving isolation identity or um abandonment, uh, existence and refugee type of conflicts. That's uh, one you really want to have um, the ability to be aware when you're doing it. I had one, it was uh, several years ago, it was related to finances. It was like a tax thing and I was really worried about it. And, you know, I, and I could tell that I was holding onto water and I could just feel, you know, just, you'd feel like weight around your midsection and it was, and it's not like fat, it's definitely water. And then when I resolved it, I was um, up sweating. So when you have night sweats, mm-hmm. night sweats is, are an indication that your body is uh, breaking down an old brain, um, type of tissue. And so when you have night sweats and then you get up and go to the bathroom a bunch of times, that's a urinary phase. Um, I swear I lost like five pounds overnight when I resolved this conflict because I was, I, you pee it all out um, once you resolve it. And so night sweats are a good indication that you've resolved something like that. But yes, with preeclampsia, with their protein in the urine, that's also an indication of this, um, this kidney type of conflict from the kidney collecting tubules. And so by understanding that um, there's a reason that this is happening rather than, oh, you're high risk. Oh, this is a bad thing. You just, you plant those seeds in people's minds and that makes it even worse. The, the idea, and this is a thing too. So if you have an idea that, oh, there's something wrong with my blood pressure like that could become a fluid conflict like with the body and a fluid conflict affects the kidneys in a way that can create high blood pressure (laughs) and so like you said these self-fulfilling prophecies when we get afraid of something um that fear in and of itself can be the thing that causes the symptom that we're afraid of well you're like casting spells exactly they're your mantras that's the thing is i find that i attract people who are ready for it like by the time they they come across it they they've it it resonates so deeply. It's like, this just makes sense. That's what everybody says to me is like, you know, this just makes sense. It just fits. It fits with what I've had going on. It fits with the fact that I've done all the things. And despite doing all the things, I'm Mm -hmm. still having this issue. And if you don't get to these conflicts, and if you don't understand things through this lens, 
you know, you just try one thing after another, after another, and you do feel like a victim. It's kind of hard to not feel like a victim when you've tried all the things and it's like, you're still having the problem, but it is, it's going even further in that direction of radical personal responsibility of like, this is coming from me. It's coming from something I can't see, something that I don't even, you know, know how to even fix at this point, but that's okay. If, if you're willing to say, I know this is coming from me. I know my body is adapting for my best benefit. I've just kind of like, it's, it, it's truly a, it's like a miscommunication. You're not aware of what your body is saying to you and you're not aware of what you're saying to your body. And so like, we need to get on the same plate. You need to learn the language of your body. So, you know, what's going on here. And once you get that clarity, it's such freedom because it's like, I don't have to be afraid of this. I don't have to feel like a victim of this anymore. I know this is coming from me and I'm, I'm just going to learn. And that's, that's what I teach people is how to learn from yourself, from your life experiences, from your reactions. That's actually kind of the, the core of the work that I do is awareness and paying attention to how you react to stuff. How you react is revealing your chronic condition, your chronic state of mind, your chronic attitudes towards things. And that's how you can start to unravel is by paying attention. Ooh, this, this makes me really mad. This makes me sick to my stomach. You know, and we say these things, it's like, and you, you know, and if you slowed down enough and paid attention enough, this would all unfold before you and you would become a person who doesn't fear their body, but is on board and on the same page with their body. And you guys are working in harmony again. Cool. I'm into it. <laughs> how can stuff. people find you and follow you and work with you? Yes. My uh, website is drmelissacell.com and I'm on Instagram. I have a telegram channel. I mean, I'm still on Facebook, but I don't, I don't know about Facebook anymore. <laughs> find me on the other places. Yeah, right. um, uh, but yeah, I'm booking currently. And so I do have all online courses too that um, help you to, because my, my big interest is helping you to, to apply this. I do have places and I have a, um, a blog post if you're interested in like learning GNM for yourself that I have um, resources of, and I highly recommend, like everybody should make this their hobby. Everybody should learn how their body works. Um, one of my mentors says like, learn it while you're healthy. Because mm -hmm. that's the thing is once you're already in like a, oh, I have cancer, you know, like, it's it's so it's just so different if you knew and i actually have a, a youtube interview with a lady who was aware she became aware of gnm before she developed a breast lump so that when she developed the breast lump it was like okay <laughs> let me go back to the basics let me you know she wasn't she wasn't freaked out as freaked out as she would be if she didn't understand that a breast lump is a totally normal biological adaptation to something you experienced wow. you know because a breast lump can be such a terrifying thing. But if you right. get it, like if you understand why it happens, it could be a completely different experience. And so learn it before you have anything, or if you already have stuff, learn it now, because the, the better you understand how your body works, the more free you will be, the more confident, the more calm. And that truly is calm, calm equals health. When you're at ease and at peace, mm -hmm. your body is in that homeostatic state, it's not in fight or flight. And so if we can get you back to peace, if we can get you back to, you know, your own nervous system control and being able to calm down. Um, that is such tremendous help for um, shortening conflicts, resolving conflicts and staying in that, that, that even balanced place. Cool. Sounds good. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. This was super fun. And that's it for today, my sisters. Check out everything we do, including one-on-one -on -one and group coaching. Learn about our private membership, in-person retreats, and more on freebirthsociety.com. Our online courses are on freebirthsocietycourses.com, including our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth. 
Don't miss the Radical Birthkeeper School if you're ready to become the authentic midwife that women are searching for. Together we rise and the revolution starts inside each of us. I'll leave you with our Free Birth Society theme song, Wild Woman by Aruba Red. I honor you for the wisdom you held, the ancient traditions of plant medicine and womb magic. I feel the spirit of the ancestors as I place my hands upon my belly. This sacred portal will be honored. Eons upon light beams of survival withstanding the eradication of our power by design. I will not allow the separation of our young to be forced upon me. My sisters will no longer birth in captivity. The picket line redefined from burning our wild women to paralyzing us and drugging our babes. Strapped down in a clinical white bed, drying up the milk from our breasts, keep your needles. My family will never again be doomed to chase those dragons or your poison. We reject your fear. We choose love. Everything with intention. Death, ascension. I will fly and bring 